welcome to the conversation. I'm Anna Kasparian, and I am excited to share an important international story with you guys today regarding uh, what's happening on the ground in Uganda. Now, you probably don't know if you're an American who's been inundated with election-related news or the Capitol riots or the Trump impeachment trial. Uh, but on January 14th, uh, Uganda held its presidential elections, where its longstanding dictator, General uh, Museveni, uh, allegedly won with 59% of the vote. Uh, but the election was full of acts of intimidation against his uh, political opponents and likely fraud to keep him in power. And keep in mind that uh, Museveni has been in power since 1986. He's been uh, essentially the ruler of Uganda for uh, nearly 35 years. Now, Museveni's challenger, a musical artist by the name of Bobby Wine, argues that Museveni staged the election to award himself a sixth consecutive term in office. Wine considers himself a freedom fighter and is tremendously popular with the Ugandan youth, which is a critical part of this story when you consider the fact that around 80% of Ugandans are under the age of 35. Now, joining us to help break down this story is uh, Milton Alamadi, who is the publisher and CEO of Black Star News, which you can find at blackstarnews.com. Milton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So uh, let's start off with uh, the facts on the ground, because while, of course, Museveni will argue that the elections were free and fair, uh, there's quite a bit of evidence indicating the opposite. So can you talk a little bit about um, what that evidence is and why so many people feel that this election was rigged? Okay. Uh, thank you once again for hosting me on your show. Well, to begin with, the results announced on January 16, two days after the election, claiming or alleging that Museveni won by 59 points to Bobby Wine's 35%. The internet was shut down two days before the elections, meaning no data could be transmitted, whether the data was on behalf of the opposition or on behalf of Museveni himself. The internet was not turned back on almost a week later. So people are asking, how could the numbers attributed to Museveni have been transmitted from the 34,714 polling stations around the country to the government tallying center. So in fact, when Al Jazeera asked the chairman of the election commission, uh, Simon Biakamama, the same question, how did you get your tallies? He couldn't answer. <laughs> the best he could say was that, oh, we had our way of getting the numbers. And people said, yes, we know what your way is. You just <laughs> manufactured the numbers. So that is one of the challenges they cannot overcome. And then the second one is this. After the numbers uh, returns are announced, they have to be shown uh, from the regions from where they came. And that is constitutionally required to be done within uh, 48 hours, I believe. That was not done. And people believe because they did not have the raw numbers. And then the third problem that I think they can never surmount is this. Each polling station has what is called a declaration of returns form. And that means the numbers, the totals from each of the polling stations are tallied. And each of the candidates has an agent 
who signs that form. Those forms cannot be produced by the Museveni regime. And then finally, what is going on in Uganda right now is that the army is conducting a manhunt to search for the aid, election agents that represented the opposition who could still have copies of these declaration of results forms. And either if they're found, then they're arrested and the forms are destroyed. And in some cases, they've reportedly even been killed. And that is why it's, that's, that is why most people don't believe those numbers uh, attributed to Museveni were actually authentic numbers at all. You know, talk about the election commission itself, because uh, it certainly is not some independent body uh, tasked with ensuring that there are free and fair elections. It might be sold to the public that way, but uh, the reality on the ground is very different. Right. Yeah, it would be like, uh, you know, Donald Trump appointing his own personal election commission and then having them declare the results, which is exactly the same in the Museveni case. He determines the members of the election commission and he appoints the chairman of the election commission. And in this particular case, the chairman of the commission, Simon Byakamama, participated in the, before the 2016 election, he prosecuted the candidate in that election, whose name is Dr. Kiza Besige. And many people believe Besige won those elections as well. He prosecuted him on a false charge of alleged rape. The woman who, was coerced into alleging that Dr. Bessige had uh, raped her, later on recanted and said, the state forced me to do this. So Yaka Mama, who was the, uh, uh, the prosecutor at that time, has now been uh, re rewarded and made the quote unquote chairman of the commission whose membership is entirely composed of Museveni's appointees. So absolutely not, it's not an election commission. And that's another interesting point. Um, when the EU observed the 2016 election, they made a set of recommendations, more than 30 recommendations. And one of the recommendations was that uh, the playing field be leveled, all the candidates have access to state media, resources be uh, allocated equitably, and then finally that there be an independent election commission. And of course, he rejected that. And that's why the EU uh, declined to observe the elections on this, this occasion. And the U.S. also wanted to send a, a, observers from the diplomatic mission to Uganda. But only 25% of those who applied for accreditation were approved. So the U.S. also withdrew uh, from observing these elections. And in only, it's, it's only in Uganda <laughs> that this can actually mm -hmm. be referred to as quote-unquote election prior to the actual <clears throat> day of the vote itself. The regime had launched a campaign of complete terror against members of the opposition, attacking their supporters, arresting the supporters, uh, uh, killing them. In fact, there was what we, we now know as a massacre on November 18th, when Bobby Wine was arrested and there was a protest all over the country. And the army just opened fire on demonstrators with live fire and the government itself admits to 54 people being killed. And of course, the numbers people believe are way more than 100. And, 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 still is, and still, this is still some, something that is characterized as quote unquote elections, only in Uganda. 
It is it is fascinating, especially when you consider uh, the way the U.S. media has referred to uh, the unfortunate developments in Myanmar with the uh, military uh, coup, the coup d'etat. Um, and, and there's really no coverage of what's happening in Uganda. Now, this isn't necessarily a military coup, but you have Museveni with the support of the army in Uganda, um, you know, maintaining power in an incredibly undemocratic way. Uh, so what do you think fuels the... Uh, I guess the lack of, of U.S. response to what's happening, the undemocratic behavior uh, that's being carried out by Museveni right now, uh, it doesn't really appear that the U.S. government is, um, you know, changing uh, its uh, response or handling of uh, its relationship with Museveni and Uganda. Okay, very good. I, I'm glad you raised that issue because obviously we saw the response to Myanmar and mm -hmm. uh, people familiar with Uganda. Uh, uh, could see that uh, stark the contrast between the two reactions. It's not as if they could not have uh, made a comment on Uganda as well. And in Uganda, what we have actually is a military uh, regime, in effect a military coup, uh, semi-clothed in a civilian outfit. And why do I say that? Because Museveni has absolute control. He orders the army to do whatever he wants. He orders the police to do whatever he wants. And in fact, right before the vote itself, he deployed soldiers on the streets in the capital city and all the major cities and in the polling stations itself. Soldiers dressed in full combat fatigue to send a obvious signal that uh, I will remain in control either by the ballot box, uh, which I'm going to rig anyway, or by force of arms. And here are the soldiers on display. So it's just a matter of semantics and technicalities, but for all effect, it is indeed a military coup. So I'm glad you actually brought up that issue. And then in terms of the lack of response by the US, it's because uh, the US is heavily uh, invested in Museveni, the individual, not really Uganda, the country and the citizens of Uganda. Museveni acts as a, a, a sheriff in East and Central Africa, on behalf of Western interests. And the key thing right now is that he polices Somalia, which the US fears would fall to uh, Al-Shabaab, a militia movement that the US says is allied with Al-Qaeda. So that is why Museveni gets that absolute blank check. And uh, so even though the Biden administration has sent out signals uh, openly saying we're going to uh, base our foreign policy on human rights and democracy. The biggest challenge is actually not going to be Myanmar, where we see mass uprisings. And I am confident that in Myanmar, that situation will be reversed. I am less confident that the U.S. will actually make a radical uh, 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 a change of policy when it comes to Uganda and Museveni. And it's, 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 people can't understand it because the National Army that comes from Uganda to help uh, secure Somalia does not belong to General Museveni, meaning there's no reason why the U.S. could not come to an understanding in terms of deploying soldiers, not only from Uganda, but maybe from other African countries in order to secure Somalia. So you can't say we will go with Museveni at any cost purely because he's deploying Ugandan soldiers to Somalia.
that's preposterous. It doesn't make sense. The army does not belong to him. But if you give mm -hmm. him that blanket and license, of course, he's going to treat the army like a personal belonging. And that's unfortunately exactly what he has been doing. So the United States provides about $1 billion a year in military aid to Uganda. So um, not only is the United States, uh, uh, in terms of its media, kind of avoiding uh, the authoritarian behavior on the ground, but uh, when it comes to our government, um, they're essentially funding uh, the actions of the army uh, with this military aid. And so is there is there potentially other than al-Shabaab, is there any other um, interest in possibly resources that's fueling uh, the United States involvement? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. And the military aid, actually only 20% uh, of that aid or 30% is supposed to go to the military, but ultimately uh, as much as Museveni wants is diverted uh, to the military. And that's why it's very problematic. Even though the U.S. insists that it wants the substantial part of that aid to go into upgrading the health infrastructure, uh, for building up uh, uh, infrastructure in the country, and for health care services, and for fighting diseases, that is not the case. Because Museveni knows that the military is what keeps him into po in power, and he diverts resources. And in fact, there are reports that he diverted a significant portion of $300 million loan from the World Bank, which was supposed to help fight the uh, uh, COVID uh, pandemic. Now, in terms of other interests. I'd like to go back to uh, the topic of the election and more importantly, uh, Bobby Wine and what his candidacy represented. Now, um, he was a well-known or is a well-known musical artist in Uganda. Uh, he has been banned uh, from uh, participating in his uh, form of art because of the fact that uh, most of his music focused on political messages that Museveni, uh, of course, did not like because it held him accountable for his actions. Uh, um, but talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what Bobby Wine's candidacy represents when it comes to liberation and uh, class struggle, because he does talk about where he comes from often, um, and he refers to it as the ghetto. Um, what does that mean? What is he referring to when he brings that up, and what does his candidacy represent? Okay, I think it beyond Uganda, it sends hope uh, to young people throughout Africa. Because what happened is after most African countries won independence in the 1960s, the, the, the people that inherited the state were either the, uh, the political elite or the military elite. And sometimes they would change uh, their time in power. The military could depose the politicians, the political elite, and the political elite could come back into power. Or sometimes they may have sort of a a mixed accommodation between uh, these elite. But the people that have been ignored are the folks like uh, Bobby Wine, the mass majority of African youth. And in the case of Uganda, as you pointed out earlier, uh, more than 80% uh, of the population is under the age of 35. Many of them have not known any president or any dictator uh, except Yoweri Museveni, who's been in power precisely for 35 years as well. 
So Bobby Wine, how did he become a part of the political uh, equation in the first place? This is a guy who's not connected to the military, not connected to the political elite, came from the so-called ghettos in Uganda, where if people talk about ghettos in the Western world, people need to go online and look at how real ghettos are in places like Kampala, the capital city, or Nairobi or Johannesburg in South Africa. Very extremely squalid conditions. Uh, uh, if you just look at it, it looks hopeless. But this is a guy who had musical talent, you know, and he used his musical talent. He also uh, went to college. He put himself through college. And then he built his, using his talent, he built a musical industry. He started making films that would also touch upon uh, themes of struggle against and fighting against corruption, fighting against the, the elite and became identified as the person who represented the ordinary man, the little man against the big guys in Uganda. And that is why he had already become very popular by the time he decided to actually uh, become an official politician by running for uh, parliament in 2017. And won, he beat the candidate of Museveni's party overwhelmingly. So young people saw this as something that was really inspiring. Somebody who came from their own backyard is able to actually develop some independent wealth for himself without having to be uh, take, become a part of the corrupt system, uh, paying a bribe for something or taking a bribe uh, for something. So that is why his story was really inspiring. And then he started campaigning for uh, parliamentary candidates who were running in by-elections against candidates of the ruling party. And, all, and three races in a row, all of those candidates won. And that it's when Museveni started becoming really concerned. When the third candidate uh, beat Museveni's candidate in August 2018, Museveni really panicked and unleashed a vicious attack using what is called the Special Forces Command, uh, commanded, which is commanded by his son, General uh, Muhozi Kainarugaba, who, by the way, <laughs> was trained here in the US at the military academy at Fort Leavenworth. And they attacked him. And they uh, actually, I think it was an attempt to kill him. They shot into his car, but his driver happened to be in the passenger seat on that day, mm -hmm. and, and he was killed. Bobby Wine survived. He was uh, missing for like three days, and when he came out, he said he was tortured, beaten, and he, was, he could barely walk. And he came to the U.S. for treatment, and that is when he started getting a lot of this international media coverage, and you know, the rest is history. Eventually, he declared that he was going to run, and what he did was he recruited millions of new voters, young people who had given up and, and, and had become completely hopeless. And they saw this as a candidate who can actually uh, win because the candidates he had campaigned on behalf had already been willing, winning parliamentary seats. So that is why <laughs> nobody, well, most Ugandans don't believe Museveni could have won these elections. Bobby Wine beat his candidate when he ran to, for parliament. Bobby Wine campaigned for three candidates who beat Museveni's candidates when they ran for parliament. How is it that Museveni somehow now beats the same Bobby Wine, who's the one who brought new voters into the equation? It, 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 it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Yeah, I mean, that's such a great point. And um, what always amazes me about people like Bobby Wine is that no form of uh, intimidation uh, stops them from their fight, uh, which which shows you just how uh, sincere and genuine they are in the struggle that they're uh, engaging in, because uh, his home has been 
bombed by grenades. Uh, you know, his family's life has been put in jeopardy. Uh, there have been other activists, by the way, uh, who have fled Uganda um, and are seeking asylum in, in Kenya um, as a result of, you know, there, there's one specific uh, case that I, I wanted to bring up, but unfortunately we're out of time. Uh, Stella Nyanzi, uh, who, whose partner was kidnapped and tortured, and so she fled uh, to Kenya with her children, um, you know, seeking safety for, for obvious reasons. Um, so I just wanted to end on um, something very important, which is your change.org petition. Can you please tell the audience a little bit about that and, and what you're calling for in that petition? Right. I'm calling for a number of things. I'm calling for the U.S. to suspend military aid for Uganda because obviously the arms are not used to protect the country from any invasion, but it's used to maintain the tyranny. I'm calling for suspension of loans for major organizations like the World Bank and the IMF, because that's what really sustains the regime in power. And then I'm also calling for suspend for, for, for sanctions against targeted sanctions, because obviously nobody wants to hurt the entire country, against military and political uh, commanders, people in the military and political chain of command who are uh, implicated in those atrocities that are being committed, of course, including General Museveni himself. And that's all the, on the uh, change.org petition. Milton Alamadi, uh, publisher and CEO of Black Star News. Everyone, please check out his incredibly important reporting. Thank you again, Milton. Um, I really appreciate it, and I hope you'll come back soon um, to have more of these conversations. My pleasure. Stay well. Stay strong. You too. Thank you, everyone, for watching.